Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams Don't surrender, there is more than it seems Hold on and fight, follow your heart This is your way, love is what you Hi, make of it Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my millennial daughter and co-host, Lauren Simonian, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching where real-life emotional struggle whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Hello, Lauren. Hello, Father. I'm still confused as to why I'm being introduced as your millennial daughter. <laughs> well, I don't want there to be any confusion because I I think it's very important that people understand there is quite a difference in perspective between the millennial view of life and the baby boomer view of life. Do you know what the difference is? Well, I don't know, but I feel like when you say millennial, you say it from a bit <laughs> of a condescending place. <laughs> well, I, I you know, I, I I guess so, because yeah. basically the difference is wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll right. see one day, one day when you are an old fogey like me, you'll look down at, I don't know what they'll be called in the future, but you'll look down and you'll say, yes, I understand your needs to do all this kind of weird stuff with the uh, airwaves and the internets and all that stuff. But when I was a kid, we had more, you know what I mean? I, I know what you mean. But also, since you are a baby boomer with lots of wisdom. You should know that us millennials can Google wisdom at our disposal. <laughs> uh, that's foul play, and you know that. <laughs> uh, and and just for the record, uh, yeah. wisdom is inherent in all baby mm. boomers. Mm. In true. all baby boomers. Oh yeah. yes. Oh yeah. Oh. Well, there are a few exceptions, but I I, I don't want to mention names. <laughs> all right. All well, right. Oh, by the way, let's talk about what we're talking about today, because I think it's it's really a rather cool topic. Being adaptive in an ever-changing world. I mean, there's, you know, uh, let's face it, uh, we, I, I would throw out congratulations to all of us. I mean, we've we've adapted, and a lot of people may not realize it, but with COVID the last year or so, we have inadvertently consciously or unconsciously shown our adaptive ability, our flexibility. So we all need to give ourselves a collective pat on the back. I'm going to do that right now. Pat, 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 pat. You want to give yourself a pat? Yep. Got it. Good. And, and it, it, don't, don't you agree with me that, you know, in so many ways, if we had looked back a year ago and said, how am I going to handle this? And what if this goes on another day, another week, another month, just and for it to have gone on a year? Mm. What does it show us about human resilience, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to get into this with you. But first, I'd like to introduce it, introduce this, this wonderful topic with a song I found sung by Bing Crosby. It's from 1944. And I think it, it just pinpoints exactly what we need to focus on today. So let me play that. And then we'll take a look at that and use that as a launching pad for what we're going to get into today. Does that uh, sound adaptive to you? Yeah, sounds adaptive to me. Okay, so I'll play that right now in three, 
two, one. You got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess with Mr. In Between. You got to spread joy up to the maximum, bring gloom down to the minimum, have faith or pandemonium liable to walk upon the scene. So before I ask you to comment, do you like the song now first, right? Yes. I just want to just read the lyrics in case, you know, in case you were maybe distracted doing your nails or texting somebody, but <laughs> the song is so poignant. You've got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, latch on to the affirmative, and don't mess with Mr. In-Between. You've got to spread joy up to the maximum and bring gloom down to the minimum. Have faith or pandemonium, liable to walk upon the scene. Isn't that something? Love it. Yeah, I like the way they play on the idea of extremes and making certain things in your life a little bit louder and turning down the volume on on the negatives. Um, But I like that because we do experience all of those things, especially during times of change. But you can kind of imagine you know, listening to a radio station in the car. If you if you like the station, you could turn the volume up on it and enjoy the music. And if you there's a song on that you don't like, you can literally just turn it down. So I think learning how to regulate emotions like that is really kind mm-hmm. of the trick to dealing with with stress or change. Yeah. Well, there's a fact. And the fact is we as a species are programmed to adapt to be flexible. So I'm going to ask you to answer this for me. Let's say you were stranded on a small desert island. What do you think would happen? What would you do? Well, after I finished uh, having a panic attack, I would probably <laughs> <laughs> figure out a way to find food and shelter. And uh-huh. I don't know. Is that the yeah. right answer? Well, and water <laughs> and, and all those things. Of course you would. You would not just sit there in the sand and do nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to life and death situations, there's no question that our programmed mind, the 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 mind that is programmed to be flexible and adaptive, takes a look at what's going on in the environment and decides how to go forward in order to, in this case, on the desert island, to survive. So on that desert island, you, you you didn't mention water, so you wouldn't have made it. But other than that, you would have at least been fed and sheltered. <laughs> well, I didn't know if I was on the right track. It seemed like an obvious answer. But uh, yeah, I would figure it out eventually, perhaps. Yeah. Actually, I have no idea how I would find uh, filtered water. So You're not yeah, I probably, to... I don't know that I would be that adaptive, to be honest with you. <laughs> Well, you may not find filtered water or Perrier or something like that. Because, see, millennials would be looking for that. They'd be looking for the the Poland Springs or the Perrier water. But, uh, but that's okay. Because, see, you're not a baby boomer, and we we're more. Well, all right, baby boomer. How would you find uh, drinkable water on the island? <laughs> well, I guess I would, I would, I, I would just begin walking, and and you know, hopefully, come across a Seven Eleven or something. Yeah, that's. That's that's the wisdom you're talking about, huh? (laughs) Okay, it's going to be one of those podcasts. (laughs) 
So we're not, but we're not necessarily talking about life death situations today, are we? We're talking about a different kind of adaptability and not in a life death situation. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. But, but like we say, you know, adaptability also is on that spectrum. Like it can be for small changes, but it also could be for really big changes too. Like we're able as humans to adapt to all kinds of changes. So you're in, you're you're putting millennials and, and boomers in one one category. We're all humans. Yes, <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah, but I see I see it. You know this this thing that we're calling adaptability. I think it's definitely related to insecurity and self doubt. The person that is less adaptive. I mean, I mean, let's face it. Everyone. Some people are more adaptive than others. And, and the person that's less adaptive is one that's going to be more kind of insecure, self-doubt, you know, someone that's overly cautious, pessimistic, hesitant. That person is going to resist the change that's necessary to adapt, right? Yes. Yeah. Therein lies the suffering. Yeah, I mean, they're less likely to adapt, at least not with a whole bunch of whining. And, and that's what you see a lot of people. I mean, we all have to change in so many different ways, almost almost a, on a regular basis. But those that are dragging their feet, right? That's whining, by the way. Got it. You're not a whiner. You you strike me as someone who, who really is quick to adapt and change. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it, Don't you see yourself that way? I do, but I don't know that I was always that way. I think that uh, I've learned how to train my brain to be more resilient when it comes to change. I do think that generally by nature, even though humans are adaptive, I also think humans naturally resist change because to change is to risk something new. And so even good changes, I think humans tend to not only avoid, but but resist, I think is the right word. It's like you try to keep things the same because when things are the same, then there's a lot of comfort in that. There's a bit of fear in the unknown. So I do believe that, you know, at, at a time in my life, there was a lot of resistance to change until I learned a lot about mindfulness and being present with my own experience and my own thoughts. And I find that when you can slow down your thoughts and sort of check in with your thinking, uh, you can catch yourself mm. and realize that a lot of times your your thoughts are not totally based in reality. It's like this, you have what if thoughts and you can challenge that with like, well, what if versus what is like, is this actually, you know, really mm. true? I'm going to slow down my thoughts your thoughts not your speech (laughs) (laughs) but i like what you're saying about resisting change yeah it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't you see one reason we resist change is that we're kind of comfortable and secure in what we know because we're handling that you know, if we weren't handling it, of course, it would be a different story. But if we're handling our present moment and somebody comes along and says, hey, guy, you got to change and do this. Well, I don't know what that moment's going to be like. So the insecure part of me might be saying, well, you know, I don't know about that. 
So I think the resistance, what you say, is is very, very important. We do tend to drag our feet sometimes, you know, with making decisions, big decisions, changes in life, uh, even good things like, uh, you know, buying a home or, or a new car or, uh, you know, just starting a relationship. You know, there, there's a resistance to those what ifs. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we, we're, we like to be in control. It's as simple as that. Yeah, it's true. And and we also subconsciously, we identify with our external world. So part of our identity is actually mixed up in all of the things that we have or the circumstances that we expect life to be like. So if you were to lose your job, for instance, that is that feels like a part of your identity being taken away from you. Mm. So in a lot of in a lot of instances change feels personal and it feels like you're actually part of you is dying with the change. So even on even on small scale yeah. changes and and it is true like part of you is falling away so that something new can take its place but we often struggle with the falling away part the the part of change that means le- leaving something behind or losing something. Yeah, I never thought about that. That that's very poignant. I've never thought about that. I mean, even if I'm if I'm you know just get, leaving one house and buying a new brand new home, it's all that wonderful stuff. There's still that loss that all the memories that were in that first house. You know, the nostalgia. You know, whatever it is, I think that you know we're really going beyond what was and letting it go now. And based on what you're saying, surely some people have a harder time letting go. And moving forward, sometimes out of doubt and fear, but but sometimes just out of, like you say, a loss. You know, it's 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 almost, I guess, it's like a death of something in our life that now has to transform or mutate into something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's important to be gentle with yourself when you're experiencing change because there is a bit of a grieving process that that might happen depending on the change, but a lot of people you know they they almost feel like they beat themselves up about not being able to be adaptive right away with you know with positivity and and moving forward into something especially if the change is positive uh but people even with positive changes struggle with emotions of of grief of of, of a falling away so i think being able to practice self care and giving yourself time to actually acknowledge that it might feel difficult and that those feelings are normal uh gives space for for newness to come through i would like to why are you doing that again i'm slowing down my thoughts no not your speech I know, but if I slow down my thoughts, it slows down my thoughts. (laughs) Oh, no. All right. Well, then we need a new approach for you. (laughs) You've got some really nice tips. Um, You know, I I think that for for me, change is, I I kind of, I guess it depends on the type of change. I mean, I think we all have some degree of control issues. Uh, and, and, you know, that comes from that well of insecurity, but I know for me, some things I, I feel I'm rather courageous at, and I leap into and other things I kind of say, well, let me give this more thought. So I think, you know, there are, there are different degrees of adaptability within each person. I, I assume that's true for everyone, or is that, yeah, I shouldn't be assuming because millennials are a different breed, 
but um, don't you think that there are certain things where you are more adaptable than others? Certain circumstances, you mean? Yeah, you know, like you know, if you if you were, let's say, I wanted to start a new hobby, and it was a very complex hobby, and it would require an expenditure of lots of money, but I was very passionate about it. Well, you know, I, I would leap into that. I would learn. I would buy. I would do all those things, and it would be, you know, out of out of pleasure and the optimistic view that I was going to succeed at this and, you know, just kind of challenge that with a situation where you had to change jobs and you weren't sure if the new job was going to work out or if you would make as much money. And so certain, certain challenges we, we tend to, because of our optimistic view, uh, we tend to just grab onto and just dive into but if we have a pessimistic view, there's that self-doubt, then of course I think that you know our our ability to adapt is kind of you know kind of hobbled and and we tend to hold ourselves back from taking that leap, which sure. which is okay. It's being cautious, but I guess there's a fine line between being cautious, being overly cautious, and being neurotically cautious. So one has to that, ask that question. In that example you just gave about the hobby versus losing the job. I think that the really important distinction between those two is that one of them is in your control and the other one isn't. So you're choosing the hobby versus the the loss of your job chose you. So that inherently is harder to deal with the sort of changes that either you didn't expect or you don't have or you feel like you don't have control over. Um, those are the ones that you know, require the most resilience from us because obviously it's just not in your control. So I think that in all situations, though, even the ones that feel like we didn't choose them or they're not in our control, I do think that taking time to evaluate what is your level of control in any situation, even the ones that feel completely out of control, because no matter what, you can always find something to take responsibility for and empowering yourself to work towards something, some sort of change that is possible. So um, an example I, I have is when I had to go for physical therapy, the only time that I could do it was early in the morning. So I was going before work at six o'clock in the morning and waking up on like the really cold winter days. And it, it, it felt like a change in my schedule that was not welcome and it felt sort of out of control and I was resisting it. And I was noticing because I slowed down my thoughts, um, I was noticing that I had a lot of resistance to it. And I needed to ask myself, like, what can I take responsibility for here? Like, you know, how do I eliminate this resistance? And my answer was, I needed to find something in within that experience that could bring me some sort of joy. So what was it about waking up that early that could actually bring me something that I didn't have before? And what I was able to find was that the most beautiful sunsets were happening on my way right after physical therapy. Every morning there was this like magnificent sunset, sun, I'm sorry, sunrise. <laughs> and I never would have seen that because I would have slept through it, mm. uh, you know, on normal times. So I started doing like, um, a sunrise meditation uh, in the morning where I would just have like one minute of drinking my coffee and watching the sunrise and just feeling grateful for the fact that this new experience brought me 
something beautiful. So I think to, to wrap that up, I think that evaluating your level of control, even if you were told that you lost your job uh, and it feels like you have no control at all, asking yourself, what can I take responsibility for? Is it for looking for a new job, a more fulfilling job? Is it for evaluating my life and understanding, is this even the profession I want to be in? Is there space for change and growth? Because I only live life once. And if this job isn't meant for me, then then what is meant for me? Mm-hmm. And it gives you space to reevaluate and to make choices to bring more positivity into your life. Yeah. And that, and that would be an example where you slow down your thinking because uh, you really do have to think through some of this. You know, can we go back to when we were talking about hobby versus the job thing, where I said I would leap into a hobby and maybe hesitate over a new job? I think I think there's a, an issue of, of risk. We have to, those situations that impose a certain amount of risk or an inordinate amount of risk, I mean, certainly like you were getting at with my hobby thing, that, you know, that's a low risk situation because, you know, it's it's a hobby. Uh, whereas a new job is is rather relatively high risk situation, so adaptability I think is also connected to the level of risk involved in the, in the adaptive uh, quest, but also uh, to the necessity of change. So sometimes we don't have a choice. Like COVID is is a great example. Uh, we did not have a choice with COVID, we we had to find ways to adapt. Now, the choices that we did have was in how our expression of adaptability. And like I said earlier, you know, it's a matter of flexibility. Some people are more flexible than others. But since we all had to adapt, then those that were less flexible adapted with maybe whining and complaining. And, and, and you know, so certainly, you know, this was for many, unfortunately, you know, life death situation. And there is that requirement for adaptability and just in protecting yourself. But for a lot of people who did not adapt well, and this is, I think, important, they still had to adapt, but they did it with, you know, just a lot of complaining and a lot of frustration and a lot of anxiety and stress. So, you know, I think that, you know, it's, it was, if you look back at how, and I think every one of us can look back and say, kind of use it as a barometer as to how adaptive we are. How did I handle last year? I mean, that's, it's kind of important. Don't you think that's a, a way to kind of check out your own adaptive level? Yeah. Yeah. And I think reflecting on your own behavior is the most powerful tool for change because you can see, especially if you can try and look at it objectively without attaching um resentment uh you can you can sort of see like you say where can i where can i make changes for the future cuz change is one of those things that is constantly testing us it's not something that mm-hmm. you know is going to go away so it's that's a good point that's a good point yeah, yeah. Uh, there, you don't get to a point where you don't have to change anymore mhm So, Lauren, let me interrupt because what I would like to hear a little bit more about, and we introduced the concept last week, uh, and that is your new program and company, Self Studios. We're just delighted that that is our new self-coaching sponsor. So tell us a little bit more about Self Studios, this very unique, amazing program. 
Oh, thanks, Dad. Yeah, we're we're so excited about Self Studios because the timing just feels really aligned for children, especially children and teens, to be able to start processing the emotional toll that this past year has taken after surviving through the pandemic. Our children have definitely had a lot of stressors to deal with, no matter what their situation was. And so uh, at Self Studios, we have created curricula for kids and teenagers, and we will be hosting online classes via Zoom and working through, you know, giving kids the tools and strategies to to really process and have deep reflection on their own experience and be able to generate resilience and growth from from this year of change. So, so kids really have to really recapture that which which was once snatched away from them. And that's it's a tall order. And self studios is is designed to really kind of implement that kind of uh what should we call it? Uh reconstituting the 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 mind, the emotions, the social, all that great stuff. Yeah. Yep. It's it's based on uh the components of social emotional learning and then also psychology and wellness tools. So it it incorporates a lot of different modalities to allow kids to understand and express in different ways. Wow. Where can people go to learn about self-studios? People can go to the website, which is www.selfstudioslearning.com. And also they can follow us on social media, which is Self Studios Learning as well on Instagram and Facebook. Fantastic. And that's Self Studios Learning, all one word for us baby boomers. And it's studios with an S on the end, because some of our boomer friends, you know, we have trouble with these addresses. Self Studios Self studios learning. See, I told you boomers have a problem with. What, this kind of do stuff. you have a problem with three words together? <laughs> no, that's mean. Sorry, I'm sorry, but, but I do. I do. <laughs> and it's dot com, not some other dot, right? Correct. Wow, because you know, I don't. Well, I mean, self coaching is dot net, so that's a legitimate question to ask. Sure. I think we need a little little jingle, a little theme song when we introduce our sponsor each week, don't you think? Oh, interesting. Sure. Yeah. You know, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> that would be great if you can sing the jingle live. <laughs> Self-studios learning. <laughs> well, thank you, Lauren. And uh, seriously, though, self-studios learning, it's, it's an amazing. If you are a parent of a child or want to go out and and, and get a child, uh, <laughs> just keep in mind, you really owe it to yourself and your child and your family to recognize that we have some catch up to do. And, and this is beyond the commercial aspect of what, of our sponsor, because I think it's important that we all realize that our kids have been most affected and we really need to help them catch up. I mean, we we old timers have have already gone through all of this, and we've formed ourselves and our personalities. But for these kids, you know, they're still in the molding process, and some of that has been thwarted. And we need to do what we can. Self studios learning is just one way that has come forward to really address this very very important need. So, thank yeah. you, Lauren. And thank you for bringing Self Studios Learning as a sponsor to Self Coaching. 
Why, thank you. Yeah, and it's interesting because we talk about change in this podcast and adaptability, and I think that children tend to be more adaptive than adults uh, just because they have less, you know, mental attachments. Mm -hmm. But they also, and they have adapted beautifully. I mean, at least the children that I work with, and when I say beautifully, I mean, they've adapted in order to, you know, show up at school via Zoom or with their masks on, social distance, they kind of do as they're told and things are working as well as can be expected, at least in our school district. But there's still this question of like, at what expense, you know? So yes, they're being adaptive. Yes, they're resilient. And all of those things are really great to celebrate. But you also have to wonder, you know, a whole year of their childhood has been Mm -hmm. sort of stripped away. Yeah, and that's that's that has literally been taken away from them. Yeah. yeah so you're you're absolutely right, and that's why this is an important podcast on adaptability and change. And you know, the kids the kids don't have the same tools that we adults have, and of course, baby boomers have more tools. I'll, I'll say that outright than millennials. But but these kids need need some some tools in their toolbox, and that's that's what we're all about in terms of self self studios learning and this podcast. So let's talk a little bit about well, how to become more adaptive. Can we do that? Sure. I would think first on my list would be perspective. I think that uh, how you see the need to change is very important. You know, you can either see it as an opportunity. Or you can see it as the end of the world. But I think perspective, what do you think? How important do you think the right perspective is? I think it is incredibly important. Yeah. And and I think we mentioned this earlier in terms of perspective, when you're looking at at the change, which might also feel like a challenge, you can look for the opportunity to grow. Every change, like it demands that you become a new version of yourself hmm. in order to deal with the new circumstances. And so it allows you to be more or to be different than you were before. And so you can kind of take control of that part of it. I like what you say about a new version. Can I, can I you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to be a millennial about this. Okay. You ready? Sure. Can, can Joe Luciani become a 2.0? version of himself hmm. <laughs> yeah. Come on, yeah. Oh, I, 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 you should have I, I i would have figured you would have said dad you're already at 15.0 that's exactly what i was thinking as i was contemplating yeah. you're beyond a 2.0 okay so we 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 really do have to revise you know i guess our concept of who we are and, and how we think I think it's important that we we lose pessimism and cultivate optimism. You know, these are choices we make. They're kind of habits. You know, some people are more mired in pessimism. Okay. But I think we have to try to cultivate uh, some optimism. Do you think? Is that possible? Absolutely. Yeah. I think just focusing on the silver linings, I guess, or, or yeah, the, the positives. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's exactly right. I think that You've mentioned before when you were doing your, uh, I think it was your physical therapy about the gift of seeing that sunrise, even though you were saying it was sunset, but I, I let that go. Yeah, but, I don't know why I said that. But but um, but seeing the silver lining that, you know, in change, as we, we let go of the devil we know, and we find out that the devil we don't is not really a devil at all. In fact, 
uh, our lives may be enhanced. And, and that's where the optimistic attitude comes in, because our knee-jerk reaction to change may be hesitant or doubtful based on your level of insecurity. But oftentimes, the change itself turns out to be, wow, not so bad, huh? And that's that's the the optimistic attitude. So I would say number one, stop whining about change. You know, especially inevitable change, change that is demanded of us. Uh, COVID has taught us something very important. It, it, it teaches us that we, I mean, look at what we do differently now. We we and we still are at a point where we we stand, we social distance, we wear masks. I. I, I was going for an eye appointment yesterday and, and, and I was sitting in the waiting room with the mask on and my, my reading glasses and my reading glasses kept fogging up <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm trying to say, now I, I somehow have to adapt to this situation. And I'm wondering, do other people's glasses fog up or is it mine? See, I don't wear glasses all the time. So, so I, you know, I haven't figured that one out, but I do have to adapt to reading with a mask on now, but that that's that's a need to change. You know, I need to become more resilient and realize that you know how do I adapt to this rather than whining about it. So I didn't whine. Aren't you proud of me? I'm very proud of you. Yeah, the more you the more you whine or complain about a situation, the more resistance you literally feed into the negativity. So if you can, and in any situation that's uncomfortable, your mind is already programmed to the negative. Uh, and so if you can jolt it by actually searching for the positive, which might feel unnatural, but if you can if you can consciously do that, you you kind of cut the uh, negativity train off and redirect it. So you've got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. Yes. <laughs> I'm I, I, sorry, I, I will not. Hey, you know, you were talking to me the other day when we were talking about doing this podcast about a tree metaphor. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Can you do, do. that? That was really cool. I like that. Yeah. Tell us. Um, so the tree, I actually did this with my fifth grade students, but what we what we did was we created a an image of a tree and down below where the roots go into the ground, you sort of highlight all the things in your life that are timeless, like the things that give you support and make you feel rooted. And so those things might be your core values, the way you, the things that you believe in, your faith, your support system. And those things are are strong and basically those things don't change for the most part. And so because of those roots, the tree is then able to withstand even the biggest of storms, the most intense winds. And so it has to, you know, the tree branches will sway and they will be subject to, you know, moving uh, in the wind, but they don't fall over. The tree doesn't fall over and the tree doesn't break because it is rooted with the things that are most important. Mm. And so if we can do a bit of reflection in our own life and just make sure that those things are in place, there is a way to ride out change and uncertainty by staying rooted to the things that really do support us and knowing that with those things in place, like everything's going to turn out okay uh, because we those things that are most important can't actually be taken away. 
Yeah, it's interesting. You 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 know we're talking about that today because we're having sixty mile an hour gusts of wind, and you know not every tree withstands the wind. You know some trees topple over, and and I guess they have shallower roots. So sometimes you know we a lot of people that lack the flexibility, their roots, their connectedness, their groundedness doesn't go as deep. And they're, they're more shallow kind of connections to those things or the insecurities that prevent those connections leave them more susceptible to, to being toppled. And, you know, when that happens, we have anxiety, depression, you know, various problems because we become uprooted. It's a very good metaphor. I like that very much. Mm. Yeah, I like that too. I also think about I know I always quote Eckhart Tolle because he's my guru, but but you are you are more than he being your guru. You are his devotee. I am. Anyway, he he talks a lot about uh, getting older and how a lot of people have a lot of struggle with the changes of their body and the changes in their life as they get older. And he talks about how that is because people have attachments. And they, like we said earlier, they identify with the way that their body once was or the way their world is supposed to be and all of these external factors. And what his suggestion is, is to actually come home to the part of you that is timeless, the part of you that doesn't change. And that part of you is deep within uh, and you can access it with your breath and your presence. And so in times of, of, you know, deep discomfort or, or change, you can actually just kind of like close your eyes and, and really concentrate on your breath and try to feel the energetic body, which lives beneath, uh, beneath the surface. And inside of you, there's this place of peace where change and discomfort doesn't actually live. And so I know that that sounds, um, you know, a little bit, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> like that. But but I do encourage um, the at least the breath practice because in a, in a world that's constantly changing and then you can't depend on on things, you can always depend on your breath and it's always there and available for you. Like that is one constant. And so if you can take the moment to just really connect to it and feel it nourishing you, there's a chance that you can access that place that he's talking about, which even though it sounds a little twilight zone to you, uh, it actually exists. It exists below the below the external world. Beneath the external world is this internal place of peace and it is timeless and it it, it doesn't, it isn't affected by change. Yeah, I, I was just being facetious. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, totally. Uh, it, it's very profound. Uh, let me ask you a question. It, it raises, it raises a, while you were talking and you mentioned aging and, and the losses involved with aging. Uh, yesterday, you know, because I'm, I'm 138 years old now. So yesterday I was with uh, my granddaughter and, and your niece. And she and I, she's two years old. And we were playing on the floor. And um, she's, what is she, two and a half now or something? Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm terrible with numbers. But she's she's really a lot of fun. And we were playing uh, on the floor for a while. And I went to get up and I was shocked at my lack of flexibility, the creaking and the groaning and the knees. And, <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, it, it's like it dawned on me, this is different. 
This isn't mm. this isn't the way I remember in my mind getting up off the floor. So so my question to you is now if I decide, which I've kind of quasi decided that, well, I'm going to start doing yoga more more frequently and I'm going to do some stretching and I'm going to recapture some of that flexibility. Is that is that being adaptive? Or is it is it just being resistant to, as you say, you know, the the changes that that you know I'm reluctant to accept the loss of? Mm. Well, that goes back to evaluating what is in your control versus what isn't. So if you have a practical way to mm. improve the way you feel, then of course do it. But I think what Eckhart is saying is don't be attached to the outcome. So it's like it doesn't really matter if your body creaks when you get up or not. And and when I say it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter to the internal state of peace that's always there. The peace will be there and you can find it whether or not your body is aching or not aching. But in a practical sense for everyday life, then like if you have if there's a part of your life that you can make better and control by doing, you know, certain things and all you need is a little bit of discipline, then definitely I would say do it. Well, Lauren, you know what? You sometimes I hear the wisdom that comes out of you, and I say, maybe, maybe you've inherited some baby boomer genes. <laughs> what about pep talk? Well, are you ready? Do you know what time it is? Pep talk time! It's a self-coaching pep talk, and today's pep talk is a self-coaching prescription for becoming more adaptable. Never despair. When in the short term, your actions or intentions don't lead to the results you've hoped for. Short-sightedness and impatience become the foundation from which failure is bred. Your mindset needs to be, if not the front door, then the side door, the back door, the rear door, the window. There's always a way, and sometimes you have to be patient. But mostly, you have to be persistent. And sometimes, the way has to find you. Mm. Hmm. The way has to find you. I like that. You see, this sounds a little Tolly-esque, doesn't it? It does, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like it. You notice, by the way, I didn't mention dentist once today? Oh, you just did. No, no, but I know. But I, I, I said last week I have to find another profession that you know. I know we're losing a, we're losing our dentist audience like every week. Couple I, more drop off. Would you, would you, would, this week, would you help me find another? Maybe what other? If you could come up with another profession that people generally <laughs> would rather not visit, please let's let's do that because I, I agree with you. There there are some really wonderful dentists, and and you know it's. <laughs> And and now, may I once again ask, Lauren, did you prepare a closing statement for today? Nope. Oh, see, now, rather than change and adapt, you've decided to rebel. Now, is that? I thought you said last week we were not doing the closing statement. No, 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 I never said that. I'll have to go back and listen to that. Okay. So just like that, you just you just diss me and just no, say no. I, I said I didn't prepare any. That doesn't mean that I can't well, but, create well, some. I can be adapt adaptive well, on the spot. Well, but but you didn't do it. So so I'm curious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm curious. 
Does that mean that it wasn't important enough for you to do? Well, no, I have, I had plenty of like ideas <laughs> to, to share, but we've already shared them all. So, and you said um, you weren't going to get defensive over this now. Well, no, but you, you know, you, you started out in a very assertive way. And I said, Lauren, do you have, if you prepared a closing statement? And you said, no. I didn't say no. I said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I'll accept that. And okay. I will counter with, I don't have a closing statement. So there. Oh. Yeah. I mean, how do you like that? Doesn't feel good, right? Um, <laughs> it feels fine to me. I mean. <laughs> oh, man, I'll tell you. If anyone's still listening at this point, <laughs> I, I think they're just ready for the, the song at the end. <laughs> That's rude. Well, it's a, it's a good song. No. But, uh, you, oh, the song is good. Yeah, that is a Reach good song. For very good. I like that song too. So I guess I guess since neither Lauren, the Eckhart Tolle devotee millennial, mm. nor I have a closing statement, I wish. Well, you know what? Here's my closing statement. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> May I wish everyone uh, ongoing adaptability. We're going into a new phase in summertime. There's there's lots of optimism beginning to brew and things aren't quite there yet, but they're getting there. So for now, uh, let's keep adapting. The situation is ever changing. Let's make those changes count. Let's let go of the friction of hesitation and let's let's try to find a way to continue to learn from this epidemic. Because even, you mentioned before, Lauren, silver linings, even with a pandemic, it's almost, it just sounds you know, just contraindicated to say there's a silver lining, but the silver lining is that we tend to observe our own adaptability and resilience. That's my closing statement. That was really good. I'm just going to close with. Oh, this competition <laughs> is killing me. It's not a competition. I literally was just going to give you like four words, maybe more than that. <laughs> now I don't remember them. Some. <laughs> Allow change to offer possibility. That's five words. That's, that's cheating. <laughs> Find the possibility in the change. Uh, I see. I see your closing statement, and I'll raise you one. No, that, that was good. <laughs> well, thank you, Lauren. I, I you know, I, I only tease and jest, and and I, I think you're amazing sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. <laughs> most of the time. Oh, so nice. No, no, you are. You're amazing. And visit our websites, selfstudioslearning.com and selfcoaching.net. .com, .net, da -da, da -da, <laughs> uh, where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy. And while you're at my website, uh, check out my latest number one selling book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless. And you are not powerless. And remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join Lauren the Eckhart Tolle devotee millennial, and me every week. And let's make it simple together. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart.
wake up and-